Okay, everybody, welcome to Talk is Cheap, the Fight Against Mediocrity podcast. Today we have Phil Bohol, and he started from absolutely nothing. I'm super excited for everyone to hear his story. He was working at a Fortune 500 company as a sales manager and then became a business manager. And like a lot of people during COVID, he lost his job. Um, with a daughter on the way, he had to figure out how to make money. So he got into high ticket remote sales. He made $200 his first month, $2,000 the second month, and then crushed it and made uh, $15,000 on his third month. Um, so he was started launching his own online coaching business where he teaches people how to close more deals and make more money for themselves and their families the same way he did without more sales training. He's been living the life um, as an at-home entrepreneur and spending as much time as he can with his wife and one-year-old daughter while scaling his business to seven figures and beyond. Welcome to the podcast, Phil. Super excited to have you on here. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate you having me today. Dude, no problem. So I'm really excited. Tell us your story, you know, how, and I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but how did you get started in sales and how, are, how did you end up where you're at today? Yeah, man. So, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me getting into sales, it actually started when I was 13 years old. Um, so long story short, not to get too deep into it, but my family went through a divorce. So we basically came here, you know, from the Philippines, uh, had a beautiful upbringing up until about the age of nine or 10 or so. Family started going through divorce. Obviously, that put us on a lot of uh, financial heat, financial trouble. We didn't even know how we we're going to eat lunch. Like it was just bad, right? And so during this time, I don't know if you're familiar with MySpace or anything like that, but that's where you can learn how to code and do your profile things and all that stuff. So I started geeking out on it a little bit and started learning, okay, cool. This is how you have a top five friends list, blah, 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 this stuff. And that led me onto building websites actually. And I didn't know there was businesses around it. I didn't know there's anything at all around it. So I was kind of just doing it for fun. What ended up happening was because I wanted to bring money to my family to put food on the table. I ended up creating an e-commerce website where I was actually selling things online for people. And I ended up actually closing 5k paid in full at 13 wow. years old, right? And that's when I realized what value was. And I knew that people paid to solve problems. That's initially what got me into sales because what I realized was there was no certification needed. There was nothing needed. It was just a matter of, are you willing to go find a problem to fix it and then go figure out how to provide a solution for it? And that was my first introduction to it. it lasted for about six months. Then I got into you know school, high school, all of that good stuff. But that's how I got introduced to sales. So obviously, like as I grew up, I started understanding that sales is probably the fastest path to getting to the financial goals that you have because it's all based on individual effort. I love that. And so, you know, keep going. You know, you graduated high school and then, you know, you worked at a Fortune 500 company. How did that all happen? Yeah, man. So I actually ended up joining the Marine Corps at first. Okay. Um, so I was actually a machine gunner. I was a squad leader for seven years. Um, and that ultimately helped me dial in a lot of the pain points that I was having throughout my life. Because obviously, if you've ever been through divorce, it screws you up as a kid, right? It just screws up a lot of things in your mind and your body and your spirit, all of that you want to give up. And so I was actually going on a very dark path. Um, probably around the age of 14, I started uh, really drinking. I was starting to do drugs and things like that to kind of find an escape. And for years, I would actually go in this rotation of just drinking, going to school. And mind you, I was very, very young at this time. And what happened was my little sister saw a picture of me at, I want to say 16 or 17 years old in Las Vegas, 
just drunk out of my mind and she texted me and she just left a comment basically telling me how disappointed she was and how she was seeing me and I'm the only son only brother and so that hit me hard and that's when I started realizing that we did not come all the way from the Philippines to the United States just for me to turn out this way like with all things considered right um and so taking that I could have played the victim I could have said hey the divorce screwed up my life and now I'm screwed up but instead of that, I wanted to continue on the legacy that, you know, my father started. He got us to America. Let, let's build on that and let's not screw this up and let's not let down the family that's looking up to me, right? Because once again, I got into making money for them to help them. So why do all of that just to go down the path of drugs and alcohol? Mm -hmm. So that's when I started talking to recruiters and I started looking at like, what are Marines? Like, what's the military? What's all this stuff? Because I was first generation. And then I started seeing just how much they break you down. I see how much they build you up. And I started seeing that I needed to make a different decision in my life. And that's when I actually started closing myself on why I needed to join the Marine Corps. And when I joined the Marine Corps, I enlisted, I joined uh, to become uh, infantry and I joined machine gunnery because I was about 135 pounds when I left for boot camp, came out of boot camp at about 115 pounds. And thinking about machine guns weighing as much as they do, the total weight of guns plus ammunition far exceeded my body weight. And for me, it was more of a mind game, right? And this is why I talk so much about mindset because we are actually capable of so much more than we ever thought was possible mm -hmm. as long as we believe it. And so machine gunnery got me into all of that high performance, basically taking me from being rigid, just this guy that had potential, didn't know what to do with it, almost gave up to refining that process for myself. And so when you think about going into a Fortune 500 company as a sales manager, number one, I never went to college. Uh, don't have any certifications, don't have any degrees, don't have any of that stuff. And so as a sales manager, uh, initially, it's actually an hourly position, right? And they tell you like, hey, you know, people that have been with the company for 10 plus years, you're probably going to cap out around 29 bucks an hour. I said, okay, cool. That's not going to get me to my financial goal. So I did the interview, I did the dance. And then ultimately from there, they offered me the position. But at that point, I've refined myself so much to understand that regardless if I have a college education, if I have all of the sales training, if I have everything that most sales managers could have, right, I knew I was going to perform at the end of the day more than anybody else. And so when they offered me the position, I said, awesome, I would love to take it, but I'll take it at 33 bucks an hour, $4 over what people in that position make in 10 years. And I got the offer. So I got it at 33 bucks an hour. Yes. <laughs> and then so from there, it only took me about maybe three to four months to show my performance again. And then I negotiated to 36 bucks an hour. And that's when I realized like how powerful it is to really believe and deliver on what you say you're going to deliver, but believe in yourself enough to know that you don't need what everybody tells you you need to be successful. You just need to believe in yourself and then shoot your shot. You got to be willing to shoot your shot. And that's basically how I got into that. So as I was building out and scaling that uh, sales department, um, I got an offer to be a business manager. Um, there was a company that was um, already doing seven figures. They wanted to scale to multiple seven figures. Um, so I transitioned to a different company, became their business manager after that. And then I actually was in the process of, I doubled the revenue in the first few months that I was with them automatically. And we were actually looking at opening up a second location for them. But that's around the time the pandemic started hitting. And so from there, you know, my wife and I just ended up celebrating um, basically her getting promoted to become the operations manager at the same Fortune 500 company um, and then me business manager at the new company. And then, you know, we're thinking, cool, life is going to be good. 
we are set. We can start building out the foundations for our family, all this stuff. So we go out to dinner and we're just celebrating. We have some steaks, right? We have some um, mashed potatoes. We're just having a good time and we're on our way home. And, you know, it's just a regular night. It's super quiet. Nothing's happening on the freeway. And then out of nowhere, we just get smacked right on the freeway by this car. And, you know, she ended up being on her phone and that's why she slammed into us. But it sent our car spinning on the freeway at about 70 miles an hour or so. Um, and then it messed up the C1 bone inside of my neck, which is basically the bone that your skull sits on top of. So it started causing these crazy migraines. And then from there, my back was messed up, hip, my wife was messed up and just all this craziness, right? So that's usually how life goes. Something great happens and something terrible happens, right? <laughs> and then so we have to go to therapy for about six months or so just to get through it. Now we have to deal with lawyers and it's just this whole craziness. Um, and then from there, we basically are just like, man, like life is way too short. And that's when we found out that we were also actually expecting our daughter. Wow. And so like, once again, it's like these highs, these lows all happening simultaneously. And then literally right after that, you know, we're having to get to her like, look, we're blessed. We got into an accident. We survived. There's nothing major that's happening for us. Yes, we have to go to therapy, but we can start growing our family now. We're fine. Everything's going to be okay. Right. And then we started hearing news about this pandemic and we're just like, it's going to be fine. We're fine. We're in high level positions. We're not, we're going to be fine. We're secure. Little did I know that because I was the highest paid person at my new company, they could no longer afford to pay me. And that's when I got the news that unfortunately they would have to let me go at that point because they could no longer afford it. They had to keep the operations, the fulfillment, the sales team, all of those people still, but not the business manager because the goal wasn't to scale anymore. The goal was to sustain the business. And so at that point, that's when I kind of got stuck um, because ultimately my wife had to go on maternity leave, no money coming in on my side and our daughter's timer was, it was coming. There's nothing stopping her from being born. Mm -hmm. um, so I had basically a few options. Um, I could go back to a nine to five, you know, but I was thinking in my mind, like, man, like, people are struggling even to get a job at McDonald's right now, yeah. you know, and I'm not going to put in all of that work just to get paid $8 an hour, $10 an hour, whatever the minimum wage was, mm -hmm. right? Because I thought to myself, cool, well, I know that there's been people in entrepreneurship. I know that there's people making money online digitally remotely. And obviously with the pandemic, I wanted to keep my wife and my uh, not yet born daughter safe from all of that. And so I was like, I, how do I make this work? And so I started learning about um, high ticket remote sales, where basically you can just be an independent contractor, close deals for people and just do what you do best. And unfortunately, it was a brand new industry. And so when I talked about making 200 bucks my first month, that's not even a joke, man. I think it's 186 bucks and some change. Um, that's 30 days of me working like 12 to 16 hours, just like running and gunning, trying to figure out how this all worked just to come up with 200 bucks. So you can imagine like what that can do for mindset. Not only did we, yeah. you know, get promoted, get into a car accident, lose the job, have a baby on the way, made 200 bucks, don't know what to do. I really had to make a lot of decisions in split second moments, right? And that's where basically my military training came in and it kicked in. I'm like, okay, how do I apply all of this structure, all of this discipline, all of this habit to what I'm doing right now today? So what I did was I grounded myself and I started making decisions micro decisions, little steps, not figuring out the whole way forward. And so for the next 30 days, I'm basically optimizing how I'm operating personally, right? Going to sleep on time, eating water, eating food, like all of these things, right? Just how personally I process things. So that way I can show up when it's time to do outbound, when it's time to close calls, when it's time to do my emails, my text messages, I'm in state, I'm in the zone. 
And so what I did was I optimized myself daily. I gamified the whole situation. Like, cool, how fast can I fail forward so I can succeed? And so 30 days after that, that's when I hit 2K. And then I proved to myself, look, it only takes 30 days for me to 10X literally what I started with to where I'm at now. If I just keep focusing head down on this, then I should be able to hit 4K next month. Right. So that was the goal. It's like, okay, cool. I know I need to reach higher numbers, right. To basically make money from all those months I wasn't working. And so now I started head down, focusing, dialing in on my process. And then when I looked up, that's when I made 15 grand. And the thing was, I didn't do anything special at that point. I was just doing the same thing faster and better every single day, repetition and consistency, which bred those results. And so a lot of the times, you know, I kept my head down from a lot of social media. I kept my head down from, you know, whispers, people just projecting limiting belief systems, because in a normal situation, people would tell you, you can't make that amount of money in a small period of time. No. You're not going to be successful in a new industry in your first few years, whatever the case might be. I deleted all of that. I stopped watching the news, got off social media for a little bit and dialed in on my process because I truly believed I will make it happen. It wasn't a question. It was just a matter of when is it going to happen? And so I started implementing more, optimizing more, and just executing at such a fast level, right? And then from there, that's when basically things started taking off. And I was like, man, like, what's the difference here? Because now I started seeing other people in sales and they were struggling. I'm like, man, like, what's going on? Like, you just need 90 days to ramp up, like make shit happen. I'm sorry yeah. if I can't curse on this thing, but <laughs> the ultimate thing is kind of like, man, like you just have to believe you are capable and you will show yourself just like I showed myself at 115 pounds that I can carry a 50 cal machine gun or a Mark 19 on my back and I can hike no problem. Right. And, and so that's basically how I kind of ramped up from everything and how I got started with the online space. And now um, I launched my own coaching business and we already did like six figures in four months with that thing. Right. When I first launched it, which is apparently not possible either, but I just love showing that it is possible when you believe when you have the right intention, once again, the money's great, but the impact's greater. It's great to hear student success stories, just life changing all around the world. But ultimately, man, I mean, it's just, it's a mind game. That's all it is. Dude, everything you just said, I just writing down notes of the, the key points that I'm catching down, catching. I mean, there's so many cool things that you taught just to recap for the listeners. Like I think at the very start, you know, when you back to MySpace, like business is sales. You learned in that moment, like if you're good at sales, you're good at solving problems. You're good at helping people. Like you can be successful. And so it's cool that it started right then. But I mean, obviously it's developed over those years. I like how you said, Sales is the fastest path to wealth, which is because you control your income. I love that. You don't need a degree for sales. Um, I, I like how you've always said, you know, for a lot of people who are listening to this and they're in a, a salary position or an hourly position, I think a lot of times they get stuck in the mindset that the company dictates my value, but you easily showed, you know, you can dictate your value based on your negotiation and sales skills of selling yourself. I mean, that's all you're doing in an hourly position is selling yourself at a fixed rate. Um, one thing as you've been talking that I'm very curious about is, and you didn't, you didn't touch on it necessarily directly, but I know it was a big part. What were you doing to build your sales skills? What were you doing to build skills throughout that time period? So this from when um, I just started in the new online industry with 200 bucks and then to 15k or like when do you mean 
both. I, I think obviously you were, I mean, you started at the um, second company you worked for and helped them double their sales and everything. Obviously you had a lot of sales skills in that moment. Um, so how did you develop those in order to add so much value to that company? And then as well as when you started doing high ticket remote closing, how did you develop the skills to get good at that as well? Awesome. Awesome question, man. Um, this is good because I've actually never dove into this too much. So the, the funny part is I, I never took any formal sales training, like all the way up until I lost my job. So when I started like scaling those companies, that was based on basically team performance and mindset. I literally did not teach or learn any sales training up until that point. And mind you, when I was a sales manager, I was closing like 50K deals. And like mm -hmm. I was doing that while other people were struggling to close like three or five. And the thing was, once again, it was a mindset because when we bring it back to where I was at 13 years old, I, I didn't know sales training was a thing. I didn't know sales was this thing. Yeah. All I knew was literally somebody had a problem. They saw something valuable and that's what why they wanted to invest into it. Right. So just to dive into it a little bit, it was actually a game currency. And I was asking the guy because actually, you know, I was surveying him and I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. And I was asking him out of curiosity. I said, man, so right now you're willing to spend five thousand dollars for a game. Why are you spending five thousand dollars for a, a game? And the reason why I was asking him this question, because my family was struggling to buy food. And there goes this guy spending five thousand dollars for a game. And then he told me, and I'll always remember this. He said, well, man, like I'm at a point in my life where I just want to have a Ferrari. And this game it, it gives that to me. It gives me the feeling that I have a Ferrari. If you have a Ferrari, you drive around, you feel nice because you have nice things. And that's when I started understanding like, okay, so that's what people find is valuable, right? That's what causes somebody to take an action. And so that set in my mind for a very long time. I didn't dig into it. I didn't know there was a whole process of psychology behind mm -hmm. it. I was 13 years old. I was like, I guess that's how the world works, right? There's rich people. There's people like me that aren't rich. I get it. You can spend money on a game, right? And that was my thought process. Like I didn't really dig into it too much until I started refining how I thought about it because through the Marine Corps, you know, when you think about machine guns, it's, it's a mindset game. You think you can't carry a gun, but once we start working you through some of your limiting belief systems, somehow you can carry the same weight. Um, and so that's when I started really understanding how to talk to people. It was through that. Um, I spent a lot of my time right before the Marine Corps. Once again, when I was doing drugs, drinking alcohol, all of that good stuff, I spent a lot of time with myself, understanding how my mind worked. Because even though I was in a, a very dark place in my life, I kept looking for solutions. Like, why do I think this way? Why do I operate this way? And I was breaking down basically my own mindset. And that's how I closed myself on joining the Marine Corps. And the Marine Corps taught me how to use all of that anger, all of that pain, all of that negative of emotion and how to channel that into helping people perform at a higher level right and so all of those like life skills life situations that i got into taught me how to refine how i communicate how i inspire and motivate how do i get people to perform at a higher level and that's what i brought to the fortune 500 company it wasn't my sales ability it wasn't any of that it was my ability to communicate with people to take out an emotion to evoke action and that's literally like when I started closing 50K packages, um, all I was talking about was people, their lives and what their desires were. To me, it was a normal conversation. To other people, it yes. was like, dude, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm literally just having a conversation. There was this guy that was um, 
a fire chief or something like that. And, you know, he's doing this full remodel on his home. And I literally didn't talk about anything, no deliverables, no nothing. I was talking about his newborn baby girl and his wife and how he works so much, you know, and how he wants to spend more time with them. That's why he has to make these bigger investments. So that way everybody else can do that hard work so he can spend time with his new family. And once again, it wasn't registering because in my mind, I didn't think, I didn't know sales training outside of corporate life was a thing. I thought you get corporate sales training and that's literally what sales training was. I didn't know there was another side to it. And so once again, I just took that form of communicating where I was teaching my team like, hey, you just need to care about people. You know, if somebody wants to buy something like a TV, why do they want to buy a TV so they can have the family come together, watch it, experience it together? Why does somebody want to buy a dishwasher so they don't have to spend an hour washing dishes so they can spend time with their family, right? Mm -hmm. I preach a lot about family because when we think about it, there's a huge driving force behind why people make decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's usually not surface level. And so when I'm taking this level of performance to a team, I'm taking basically my strategies that I took in the Marine Corps to bring together a team and brought that to sales, so corporate sales, and people started working together. It was no longer me versus you, salesperson versus salesperson. It was like, cool, how do we help each other and the team win? So I gave them that team mindset and that's how they started performing at a higher level. When I went to become a business manager, it was the same concept. Everybody was kind of siloed across the company, the organization, even the business owner siloed himself. He kind of like positioned a lot with people. Um, and so for me, I was like, why are we doing this? Operationally, we should be one team, one mind. And I literally got the delivery team, the sales team, the marketing team, everybody to come together, to work together, to think together. And that's how we doubled revenue. Right. And so now when we think about how does that you know, affect sales in general, then I started when I lost my job, that's when I realized there's a philosophy behind it. There's a structure and there's already things I was already implementing, but I didn't know there were sales trainers out there that I didn't know there were sales programs. I didn't know any of this stuff, man. When I say like my journey started like two years ago or like right when the pandemic hit, I'm not even joking. There's still things I'm still learning right now today. And it still blows my mind. And that's why I'm always going to be humble to this game of sales because there's so much more to learn, yeah. so much more to know. It's a beautiful totally. thing, man. Yeah. When you, as soon as you think, you know, it all, that's when you're toast, like 100%. Yeah. No. And I love what you said. You're like, I didn't know there was like a cell structure. And I think that's important because we overcomplicate it. I mean, as humans, obviously yeah. you didn't, but <clears throat> I know I did when I first started sales, I was like, well, because literally today I was looking at, I'm in this program and they shared with us a, a sales system that they have. And it's like a huge spreadsheet of all these yeah. steps that you need to do. And I'm like, man, that's way too complicated. Sales is as simple as, hey, do you have a problem? Let me help you fix it. Like, that's yeah, man, that. 100%. I was talking to somebody that uh, she just got into a real estate investing offer. And I looked at the pitch and the pitch was like two pages long. And she was like, I don't know how to pitch this. I don't know how to even like pitch the offer to even close. And she's like, can you help me with this? And I looked at the entire pitch. I'm like, do you, do you say this like word for word? I don't understand. Like, is this a 30 minute pitch? What's going on? And so I asked her to pitch it to me and she was like, you know what? I'll be honest. I will probably just read the whole thing. And I said, cool. So what I did was I read the whole document and there's basically three bullets that, that really spoke to me. And I was like, cool. So if I were to say that we help your business, not only generate leads, but qualify the prospects so that way you have a higher conversion rate so you can grow and scale your business. Is that basically in a nutshell, tell them what you do. And she's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. That's so simple. I'm like, yes, because you don't need to, you know, pretend you're using these big words to sound really smart. You don't mm -hmm. need to show that, you know, what you're talking, like bring it down to a third grade level so they can consume and understand it to help them make a decision faster. 
right? We're not here to make them analyze like, oh, you said a word I didn't understand. Maybe I need to think about this a little bit more. Yeah. Show them, communicate to them in a way where they can digest that easily, where you're confident you can help them and then help them make a decision because you can't help them unless they make that decision or the investment in themselves or their business. And so little things like that overcomplicating things is uh, definitely true, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where sales, and we can talk about this, get such a bad rap, a bad reputation is because uh, I think for a lot of salespeople, this is at first, and I'm probably guilty of this too. Like we don't understand that it's just helping people. And so we try to force and convince and manipulate where it's really just a conversation with someone trying to help them through. But that's one of the questions I actually had is um, why do you think more people don't get into sales? I think it's that fear and probably that programming of how sales was represented in the past. I mean, even now, like I still get people to think that, you know, sales is slimy and sneaky and all this stuff. And all I preach is like helping people. Like yeah. it, once again, it doesn't matter what you're investing into. You have a problem that an investment in yourself, in your business, in your personal life will help you get to the next level. And so because I've invested heavily into myself, I know how transformational things can be. And I know how much it's helped me in my time, right? Especially this growth spurt that I've had these past two years. And so when I come with that, we close people to help people. I really mean that because if I never closed myself years ago to enlisten to the military, I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be on this podcast today. I definitely wouldn't be here. I probably wouldn't have the family that I have today if I didn't close myself first. So when I say we close people to help people, man, like, it's so true. And I think if people understand that that's what sales really is at its core, more people would take sales on and more people would actually make more money helping people because that's the intention. When you come in with these, like for example, it's 8.30 where I'm at right now today. I've already made 10 grand today in a matter of time before people even wake up because I'm helping people. My intention when I woke up this morning is I have some people that are on the fence and they want to get a transformation in their life. How do I help those people? Mm -hmm. So I showed up at 4 a.m. in the morning, coaching, delivering, closing, right? And because of that intention, they could feel that confidence that I really want to help you. This is not a sale for me. Yeah. And when people can feel that intention, that's why they're going to do business because people do business with people they trust. They're not going to, they're not going to do business with you because you pitch them on all of these things that they're going to get from investing with you. They're going to get it because they, they feel like you understand them and you really, really want to help them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, uh, I mean, obviously you've, you've done really well at building that belief of, Hey, I truly want to help this person. Um, what would you say to someone who's struggling to gain that belief of, Hey, a shift from, Hey, I'm doing it to the money too. I'm doing it to truly help people. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a weird shift that you need to make, right? Because a lot of times we think, okay, we need to drive a result. We need to focus on the results and everything will come. Um, the reason why that stops us is because when we put the spotlight on ourselves, where we're putting so much pressure on ourselves to make money, to catch up on bills, to do whatever it is that we're trying to make money for, what happens in our conversations? We are actually distracted. We're not present. We're not listening to the other person. And what does that do? It keeps them from making a decision to move forward, which ultimately gets us the commissions or the money that we wanted in the first place because we're focused on the wrong things. Right. So if we're focused on money or our personal gain, we're never going to be able to do the thing that actually gets it for us. Right. Because we have to give more value to the marketplace. And when we start giving value, which is listening, providing solutions, then we ultimately get what we want. When it comes to like helping people, 
like, dude, like this gets really deep for me. Um, I wear a remembrance bracelet. I, I lost one of my Marines to us. Uh, basically he lost his battle to his demons and um, you know, he ended up going down that path. And one of the biggest regrets I've ever had in my life was as a machine gun leader, as a military leader, as a Marine Corps leader, you're always taught to look out for your Marines and their welfare, 100%. And that was the biggest failure because not only was this like literally a brother from the Marine Corps, this is my best friend's little brother. And I could not, I, I was not aware. I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention and I didn't close him on life. I didn't close him on staying. And when I talk about, you know, pain, when I talk about people and closing people to help them and shift that intention, whether it's that depth, whether it's closing that or closing somebody on making a hundred dollar investment, whatever it is, life changes on those little decisions. Right. And I really bring that to every conversation that I have. And that's where my caring comes from. Because to me, I take it as serious as somebody will lose a life if I don't close them. And that's a belief that I do have, because once again, if I believe that every person that I close, whether that's to drink water because they're thirsty, they're hydrated so they can once again perform at a higher level so that way they can operate to give their family and themselves a life that they deserve, that's just water. But I see it that way. I see every investment this way to better yourselves, better ourselves and better our family's lives. That's how I see it because of something like this, right? And so making that shift, you truly do have to care about people because I want you to think about when people care about you, especially if you're in sales, especially if you're in business, when people actually care about you, how do you feel? Do you trust them more? Do you want to do business with them more? Right. When everybody like levels up, it's a beautiful feeling. And so if you feel good when people treat you that way, help your prospects have that feeling. And ultimately you will get what you want at the end of that, but focus on them first right? Help them first. Yeah. And I mean, sales really doesn't change. I mean, Zig Ziglar has been saying it for years. If you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. And, and that's the beauty of it. Something that you've been saying over and over that I really, really like is, you know, I didn't close them on this or I closed myself on this. And a lot of times closing has a negative connotation, like uh, either the salesperson saying, Oh, I'm going to close them in a very like, um, not a personal way, but more of an objective way. And then also, you know, um, people saying like, oh, I was closed. Like they closed me on the deal or whatever. But I really like how you're saying it because it's a benefit. Like, because if someone's not closed on something, if you're not closed on something, that basically means they didn't commit. They didn't make a decision. They didn't go forward. Tell us more about, you know, why you phrase things like that. Um, Man, because like I said, I, the, the way that I see sales, man, is if we see like our own experience, when we see our own journey, it's so much easier to comprehend and understand how sales actually works. And once again, I keep looking at my life like I would not have my daughter. I would not have my wife. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't have everything that I have today if I didn't make a huge decision, right? A huge life-changing decision. And that's to me what closing is. It's these decisions that we make when it's a hard decision to make and everything's telling us not to do it. And we close ourselves because we want change. We want something positive to finally happen. And in order to do that, that's what closing is for me. We have to get ourselves to make the tough choices in life because usually on the other side of that tough choice is the transformation we want. It's the life that we want. And that's why it's always a benefit to close people. Once again, like whether it's big or small things, right? There's something on the other side of it that's going to benefit them. Dude, that's so powerful. 
Like if you're listening to this, pause, go listen to those last 15 seconds. That was super powerful. Um, I've got two more questions. So obviously, you know, you've said at the start of your career, it was mostly just, Hey, I didn't have any sales training. I just helped people. Um, but in the last two years, you mentioned, you know, you have started doing some more trainings. What role have mentors played in your life? Oh, big role, man. Like I started, it's, it's not so much the tactical strategy. It's actually the mindset. Um, I made these huge investments, man. When I, like the first time I started investing into myself, I think I was investing like two grand, maybe three. And I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. I'm going right? to die. This is so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it was, it was new to me. I didn't know once again, that there was this other side to things that you can actually elevate your performance. And for me, it's kind of like hacking time a little bit, instead of taking a decade yes. to learn something, I'll learn that in eight weeks or maybe a year, whatever the case might be. And then I started making those $5,000 investments, 10,000, 15, 45, and then I made a hundred thousand dollar investment. Dude, and I'm thinking go. in my mind, like, yeah, I'm thinking in my mind, like, holy shit, like how does somebody <laughs> do that? And what I realized was I'm not investing into all of the tactical strategy because that can change over time. But if I learn how you think, if I learn how you operate, if I dissect that, and I implement that into my own operating system, I will become the operator of success. And so investing into myself through mentors allows me to learn from different walks of life, different successful people, right? What they did through their trials to become successful as they are today and learning and adopting their philosophies, their mindset. Those are the things that are super impactful because once again, this is why I talked about like sales training. It's awesome. It's really good. But if you're not operating at that level, how lethal can it be? Right. And so when I think about investing into myself, it's always, how do I learn your mindset? How do I learn your philosophies? How do I learn how you operate? Yeah. I love that because the, I don't know if you would agree with this. You probably would, but the more successful you become, you know, the more you're like, you realize, wow, that was actually pretty easy. I just oh, yeah. limited myself with my beliefs. Absolutely. I love the time hacking thing. I, I had someone tell me that visually, you know, success loves speed. You know, Grant Cardone always says that. But visually thinking of someone has learned and has invested time and skills to learn something. If I can pay money to learn from them and be around them and learn their mindsets, I'm basically reaching forward in the future, grabbing my future self and bringing it to today. So you just get to live your dream life longer. And at that point, it doesn't seem so scary. It's like, oh, yeah, like. I'll invest as much as I can, as fast as I can, because every time I invest, I get better and I keep growing. And so I love that. Yeah, man. And then 100%. thank you. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that last question. This is my favorite question, but I'm very biased. What does the fight against mediocrity mean to you? For me, man, it's, I think it's um, unlocking your potential, man, seeing what you're about, like seeing what you are at your core. Because for me, that's what it was. It's always how much can I stretch myself? How much can I actually grow? Like, if this is the one life I have to live, how far can I go, man? You know what I mean? And it's just, once again, not limiting yourself, like you said earlier, to your current belief systems that, oh, if I don't have a certification, I can't do this. Oh, they say that I'm capped at this dollar amount. Mm -hmm. I can't go more than that. Oh, I can't make six figures from commissions in my first year in a new industry. Oh, did that coaching industry, same deal, right? It's like, how do you, how far can you stretch yourself and see what you're capable of? Like, that's the fight to me in my mind, what it is, because a lot of the times we get complacent. We think that this is life. This is what it has to be. And we're bound to it. But what happens if we start testing our limits a little bit, right? When can we actually enjoy life for what it is? And, and that's just really seeing what we're made of at our core. 
digging deep enough and finding the courage to tap into it and execute, man. That's what Let's it go. is. Test your limits. I love it so much. Phil um, is someone that you definitely want to follow and learn from. What is the best way for people to follow you and learn more about you? Uh, man, I'm on Instagram. Uh, so at Phil Bohol, that's my handle. Pretty simple. Um, or you can catch me on Facebook. I also have some trainings on there. If you want to watch some of my content, it's there for you. But reach out. Yeah, this is a fun thing, especially meeting people like you, man. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing being able to network with people from all over the world. And that's why sales is awesome, too. You just get to talk with a lot of people from all walks of life, man. And you close deals, change lives, you make money while you do it, and you just enjoy your time. Dude, I love it so much. Thank you so much. Everyone go follow Phil. He's the man. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode.